You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, what you got there, Mickey? It's an iPad. What's on the iPad? Good question. Looks like, looks uh, like you're trying to figure that out yourself. Well, listen, I'll just entertain the folks while you <laughs> get your shit together. Uh, um, there you go. Yeah. Looks like a map of like a, what do you call those? A relief map we used to call them in elementary school where you can see like the geographic yes, features. That's, that's not the important part, Bob. Uh, Just what, what is it? What's the, what, what geographic landmass is being pictured Oklahoma, here? Arkansas, you tell me. What Close. Is it? Iowa. Iowa, oh we're, yeah. We're celebrating the demise of the Iowa primary, a fraud that's been perpetrated on the American people for too long. Yeah, I just read that like five minutes before we started taping. Biden wants to rearrange the primary well, schedule. Yeah, the Iowa caucus was always a fraud because it was a it's a caucus. And the media decided, hey, if we go and count the people who are on one side or the other in a caucus, we can sort of turn it into a semi-primary mm -hmm. uh, and make a big deal of it and get a news story out of it. The problem is they, the media was terrible at at uh, going in and counting the people in the caucus before they re reformed their groups and traded and swapped. Uh, so they didn't really count it very well. And then the state party couldn't count the votes. Like, not more than once, they didn't know the winner. So fuck them. Uh, their history. It seems like a pretty stiff punishment. Well, what mean, do you have to do to lose your first of the nation status? How many times can you fuck up? Look, I just glanced at this, but apparently Biden wants the order to be South Carolina first, then what, Nevada and... Nevada and New Hampshire, which is New bad, Hampshire. which is bad because New Hampshire is good. And then, oh. and then another red state plus a blue state. Michigan is a blue state, and what's the red state? Um, oh, I don't know. You know more than I do. But, but, uh, but so what is he, does he want to skew it further red? Like so that the no, he wants to give the, the, the argument. The argument. The argument is there. I guess there are a couple, a couple arguments. One is that there uh, insufficient representation of people of color and uh, in Iowa and New Hampshire, which is certainly true. Uh, the other is that South Carolina will ensure uh, the get a leg up to candidates like him who are not, uh, you know, who are sort of more centrist. It's also obviously a, a, maybe a debt he owns Clyburn. Uh, Clyburn from South Carolina was the guy most obviously, he and Steny Hoyer were the people most obviously screwed in the shakeup of the Re Democratic House leadership. And Clyburn very graciously took a senior role and is being very civil mm -hmm. about it. But maybe he got something in the deal, which is we're going to make your state the first of the nation primary. Uh He's well, a politician, a, after all. So it sounds like you, you briefly touched on this. This may be a self-serving thing for Biden, though. He thinks it may favor him. Because right. look, I guess that's a, right. I guess that's right. Here's the most alarming development of the week. I'm reading from the New York from the New York Times of November 28th. That's Monday. Front page. Strong election showing eases Democrats' fears of Biden in 24. And you can guess what the lead paragraph is. They're saying, oh, well, now that the Democrats did fine in the midterms, or, or at least much better than expected, it's okay for Biden to be the nominee. No, 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 no. Listen, I was, uh, this may sound like a little thing, but I was reading a little transcript of him talking about the Ukraine war, and he was talking about Kherson. 
which is fine. You can talk about Carisone. You shouldn't call it Fallujah, which he did, because Fallujah is in a different country. <laughs> and it's from another war, Mickey. Now, the good news is that there is a parallel. I mean, is that good news or is it bad news? Fallujah, you know, there was it was occupied by the enemy. We drove them out. Great. I mean, it's, it's a little well, thing, he, but it happens making, all the time. He's making a very sophisticated analogy that two situations are quite similar, right? Uh, it's not yeah. like he calls every city Fallujah. It's only the ones that yeah. we got driven out of and came back to. That's what I'm saying. I guess it would be worse if he called it Philadelphia. I guess that would be worse. But it's not great. And look, he's 80, and you're signing up for him to be president in six years. And I'm not saying he's got some major cognitive disease. He's undergoing the kind of decline we all undergo, but we can tell that it's moving at a reasonably brisk pace. And if you extrapolate over six years, and I'm not exaggerating here, he will be a man not he, fit to be president. In fact, I think it won't take six years. I think later in the week he said, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see if I run for president. Or he, he, he issued some. So he poured some cold water well, on this idea. We can't wait for him to see. I mean, this this time piece makes it sound like the Democratic elders, if there if there even are such things anymore, uh, you know, anybody actually running the show, uh, are are you know kind of fine with him running. Well, that is not acceptable. It's 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 quite possibly suicide in the election. And if it's not that, it's irresponsible from the nation's point of view. This is crazy. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I agree, but uh, I, I, I don't, A, I, it's not clear who the alternative is, and B, uh, it's, you know, we might be in for a soft landing in the economy. Things might be looking very good in, in a year and a half. The Ukraine war might have, uh, we might have moved to the negotiated settlement that you advocated in the Washington Post uh, yesterday. Was it today? It came out today. It'll be in the print paper on uh, So, I mean, think Biden's record may look pretty good. Uh, by by the you know by the end of his term, and those people tend to get reelected even if their second term is going to be a disaster, and obviously a disaster that happens all the time, right? Uh, so wait, you're saying he could get reelected? Yeah, that's not enough. I mean, I, first of all, he could Sounds well not get reelected. He's like the worst candidate we can put out there, with the possible exception of Kamala Harris, and you know so. Why? I mean, sure, it could happen and lightning could strike. All kinds of things could happen. No, he could win. He could beat Trump. He could beat Trump. On the other hand, he is one of the few people that Trump could beat in the Democratic Party. You just can't take this chance, A. And, and again, B, from the nation's point of view, it's crazy. There's no way he's going to be up what to if, the what if, three, four, what five if what seems, what seems to be happening on the Republican side is Trump is fading fast. There are already polls, national polls, showing DeSantis is ahead of him. Uh, he he um he, uh, the the analysis of this ridiculous dinner with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes and Milo uh, that the best I've seen is from Ann Coulter. He was desperate for attention. His campaign had been fizzling. the The announcement sucked. Nobody's endorsing him. You know, he's announcing an endorsement from the sewer commissioner in New York or something. I mean, uh, he desperately needed some celebrities who seemed to be. Uh, flocking to him and kissing his ring. Uh, he's 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 not doing well. And so if it's DeSantis, I don't see, I mean, it doesn't bother me if Biden runs against him because I don't mind DeSantis, but uh, uh, it, it, it sort of lowers the stakes, doesn't it? Because you're not running against Trump. Um, it, 
Uh, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not convinced that DeSantis isn't bad news for the from for the country. I'm still trying to figure him out. Uh, you know, there's a piece in the Atlantic by Mark Leibovich. It was very weak. It was very thin soup uh, for Mark Leibovich. It was like a quick job. It yeah. quoted a couple of never Trumpers. It said some obvious things that he lacked charisma. And, no, it, uh, no, it, it wasn't about that. It was that. It was that kind of. I, I took it more to be like. The guy doesn't obviously have any friends. It isn't clear if there's anybody who likes him on the basis of interpersonal interaction, and he's bad at it. He he's he's like you know he's he's one of these guys who what oh it was a governor's conference. It's like he's the guy at the or, or uh, at the governor's conference who's like not hanging out with anybody. You know he's he doesn't have the gregariousness of a politician. People don't like him. It was it was kind of an agnostic piece in the sense that that. Uh, that he said, look, you know, I, I don't, Leibovich withheld judgment. He just, but he just said this one thing yeah. we know about him. He doesn't, doesn't oh, seem to be was, good at like social life. Okay. Well, that was useful, but, uh, here's another, know, the, another useful thing was this take by, uh, Daniel Larison. I think both in his newsletter, you know, Mia and in responsible statecraft about his foreign policy. Uh, and then there was another piece in compact that, took a more charitable view and, and I thought in a very strained way, but uh, I, I, from my point of view, there's no good news on the foreign policy front. And here's, here's a line from a, a letter that uh, DeSantis or not bad that DeSantis and, and Tom Cotton co-authored in the course of opposing, I guess the Iran deal. Here's what they he said about the Iran, Iran's leadership. They will stop at nothing to end our way at life. You know, we don't need another hysterical paranoid. So so, in the White House. So the, 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 no Trump has rubbed off on DeSantis's foreign policy? Uh, well, the, the compact piece made the argument that a little had, but I, as I recall, uh, all it, well, first of all, Trump wind, wound up not having all that Trump as to foreign policy, you know, in the end, but. Okay, um, but you know what I, uh, but. I know what you mean, uh, like, like less interventionist mm -hmm. and so on. The only thing they had that I recall was him saying when Obama was kind of getting us into Syria by sending weapons and so on, saying, hold on, not so fast, which is not a bad sign. On the other hand, Obama was a Democrat. You got the natural tension. Yeah, he, he, but he has to run in the Republican primaries and the Republican primaries are not big on foreign interventions now. So you would think he would shift in that direction nat naturally. Yeah. Uh, the, the Lynn Cheney's of the party do not, uh, are, are a distinct minority in the Republican electorate. So uh, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm sort of not worried that he's going to be a, a neocon on foreign policy. Well, he sounds know? like one. He, he actually sounds like one. On the other hand, um, you know, he, he's in Florida. So you could argue that that accounts for like, you know, Cuba, Venezuela, even Iran in a way. Uh, and, and, and so you might think, once he's no longer so dependent uh, on the Florida voters, he, he could change. I don't know. I, I don't know that. I think basically we have no idea. He, it's kind of a he's kind of a black box in a lot of ways. Uh, and he's not such a black box domestically. And the one thing he's good at, I assume that Leibovich is right about him not being gregarious. I don't really care that much. He's very good at the televised set piece, where he you know stands up and he reads a prepared text. Maybe he takes a and few then, hostile questions. And then and, turns and, around and says to the high school students, and take off your goddamn masks. Well, he has he was he was 
Trying for a point of humor, and he sounded like a highway no, patrolman. No, he wasn't trying for humor. He wasn't, wasn't trying for humor. Absolutely wasn't. Watch the video. In fact, he, he even after he realizes that he shouldn't look so harsh on him, he says, well, you can leave him on if you want. Okay. Even after that, you see that the anger is so apparent. And this is, you know, one thing I think I, I, I you can be kind of clear on is that people say, well, is he authoritarian like Trump? I would say Trump has authoritarian attitudes. DeSantis has an authoritarian temperament. He's more, he's actually more of a thug and, and bully, I think, well, not more of a bully than Trump by nature. And I don't know, it's more of like an emotional stance. Whereas for Trump, you you get the sense it's more like a strategy that's worked, the bullying. Right, the but, but, but Trump actually puts the strategy into place. I mean, he did, if he could have overturned the election by muscling these state delegations, he would have. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that was the validation of those people who said, uh, and I guess I argued with that said he he had an authoritarian temperament and he would it would have real world consequences. I'm not. I, I sort of can't see DeSantis doing that. He seems more conventional. Yeah, I, I mean, anyway, Trump, look, I, Trump, it, Trump will do it. You know, to save a business deal, he'll bully and 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 try to intimidate people wherever he can. As long as the deal's not dead, he'll give it one last try. And that works in business, and it worked on the border. It's just not what you're supposed to do with an election. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, if you're saying, well, Bob, don't worry, uh, Biden. Yeah, Biden might lose, but he'll lose DeSantis. I, I, that's not consoling yeah. to me. It's consoling to you. You like DeSantis. Yeah, okay. I don't. Well, I just think it lowers the temperature, but um, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. necessarily. We don't know. We don't know. Anyway. But, he, I still don't think he's going to run and. DeSantis or Trump? Biden. Oh, Biden? Well, I, think Trump's, the God's I don't think ears, Trump's going to be the nominee. We can't take any chances. By the way, uh, thank you for mentioning my Washington Post piece. I encourage people to read it about uh, why uh, if, if Russia is up for a peace deal, we don't know that, but uh, if they are, it, it would be not only in our interest, but in Ukraine's interest. Um, um, the, I, I thought there was, the best point you made was at the last point uh, where you said, uh, you know, Zelensky's maybe fighting off these ultra-nationalist Ukrainians who want to keep the war going. Mm -hmm. And if we pressure him, that gives him an excuse. Sorry, yeah. you know, the Yankees made me do it. Yeah, Biden uh, would do him a favor by, yeah, by yeah. conspicuously right. putting pressure on him. Right. And the, the one point I thought was, the one point I thought, I wasn't sure was right. Uh, is can we, we stop said, here? They're all right. <laughs> okay. Well, you said that you said that uh, if the war sort of stopped now and Russia kept the territory it had, it would be perceived as a defeat for Putin. I don't yeah, sort of I, think that's necessarily true. Yeah, I think that's you know it's debatable. I quoted uh, you know a very smart guy from the Rand Corporation saying that, and it's certainly true that we've already turned this into much more of a cautionary tale than Crimea was. In other words, uh, you know, it's, it's something, you know, anybody, Putin in the future or anybody, you know, they would go, this didn't work out so well, you know, well, at people, a minimum. Now, now people, 10, 20, 30 years from now, will people look back and say, hey, they wound up with more territory? That's possible. But I just want to say two things. The bulk of, of the article is about uh, just... Well, not the bug. A lot of it's about the fact that realistically, uh, you know, you're just you're just not going to roll them back all the way to the borders. That would be great. You probably can't do it. Period. You certainly can't do it without incurring great risk 
of like, you know, everything going haywire and the world blowing up. Um, and that's just a reality. The last thing I'd say is uh, on that, I'm sorry, gonna let you talk. Uh, you know, because I more than anyone want to consistently reinforce the norm of abiding by international law and not of any countries. However, the fact that we have violated that, that norm and law at least twice in the last few decades actually literally makes enforcing it less valuable in the future because, because most of the world looks at it and, and doesn't take it seriously. They, they see the hypocrisy and, and they view it cynically and it's just not as, as valuable. We have squandered the currency. We've squandered the asset we had at the end of the Cold War. Um, the, it, the one thing that's clearly true is nobody's as scared of the Russian army as they were before. Right. Uh, so that he he that that loss is sort of baked in the cake. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, the anyway. Um, the, the I defer to you on all matters. So just far quickly, I'd say if you if you did a deal, you would leave some sanctions in place forever. You would leave at least some some uh, non-trivial cost, uh, and say if he, if he wants that to end, he has to vacate entirely. Um, it, now on on the Ukraine, can I do a quick Ukraine update? You know, the, sure. I make the case that if you look at the three possible things that can happen: stalemate, Russia gains more territory, Russia loses a lot of territory. Um, it's far from clear that Russia's uh, going to lose much more territory on balance. You know, they'll lose some, they'll gain some. Uh, what's going on in Bakhmut kind of makes a point. Um, you know, that's this thing that uh, Russia has been trying to get forever. It's a town of some strategic significance, not huge. Um, and it's starting to look now like Russia may be in the process of taking it. You know, we, we, we've got, you know, the Institute for the Study of War saying things like, well, even if Russian troops continue to advance toward and within Bakhmut, and even if they force a controlled Ukrainian withdrawal from the city, Bakhmut itself offers them little, little operational benefit. and And then... And then they go on to say, and look at the cost uh, that it's come uh, at for Russia in terms of casualties. And I just want to say, I think Russia has won that part of the Bakhmut war because there have been huge casualties on both sides. Either the Post of the Times did a piece about how, how Ukrainian ca casualties are rolling into some hospital from Bakhmut. Um, the difference is, with Russia, half of them are prisoners, right? You know, it's largely a Wagner group operation. Wagner recruits from, among other places, Russian prisons. They say, you know, you come serve six months and you're and 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 you're out of prison forever. Um, and and even the, the 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 people in the Wagner group who aren't who aren't you know and and not I don't think many people in Russia are going to mourn the loss of of uh, convicted felons probably, but even the Wagner group people aren't prisoners. You know, some of them aren't Russian. None of them count as casualties formally. They don't give them state funerals. So it just doesn't hit home politically uh, the there, way it would if they there, were real uh, soldiers. There was this poll that showed that only 25% of Russians want to stay in Ukraine, down from like 50, over 50% earlier. So I think Putin is facing uh, a, a big decline in the war's popula popularity at home. Whether well, or not they're state funerals. 
Yeah, I, and, you know, you get the sense. I mean, they are really intensively building defensive barriers in various places. Uh, I hope that means they don't think they can advance much further and they're starting to hope they can settle for what they have. I'm not sure it means that. But, you know, the, the less support there is for it politically at home, the better a, a deal you can get out of them if you, if you, you do you, want to talk peace. What did you make of what did you make of NATO re-extending its offer to Ukraine to join? Well, I mean, on the one hand, it's just this ritual they do all the time. Last time they did it, they didn't really mean it. It was just a way to <laughs> cause an immense amount of trouble in the world. Um, the, I mean, they did go on to make them de facto members by funneling weapons and training the troops. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, on the one hand, it's seeming like a meaningless ritual. On the other hand, the one problem with peace negotiations is that at this point, I think the trust is so low on both sides that the question arises, how do you trust, you know, how does Ukraine trust Russia not to invade again? And and how does Russia trust Ukraine uh, to stick with a deal? Since in Russia's view, Ukraine didn't stick with Minsk, the Minsk deals and so on. Um, and, and, and from Russia's point of view, well, how, how does Ukraine trust Russia not to debate again? Well, that's why I was thinking, would you, w would you have to wind up saying, uh, okay, Ukraine is in NATO, uh, uh, or, 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 you know, would that be part of the negotiation? I don't know. Like, like, uh, you say to Putin, okay, you want to keep that territory? Then the only way Ukraine is going to feel secure is, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying I can start, I, I'm starting to be able to imagine a way uh, peace talks actually could lead to the formal NATOization of Ukraine. And hmm. uh, I never it just thought occurred I'd to me today. today, so it's probably wrong. Well, you probably won't, but I mean, uh, <laughs> and almost anybody would would say I'm wrong about that. So, can we go to my hobby horses quickly? Child tax credit? Well, politics, uh, politics generally, the, the, the campaigns to pass a child tax credit and to pass an amnesty in the lame duck session have started as predicted. Uh, Don Graham wrote a, uh, a very, very mild mannered piece saying perhaps the Democrats, we should, we could amnesty deal is within reach. Perhaps the Democrats should start to consider maybe thinking of some border security me measures. Well, if you're going to get a deal, you have to be a little more forceful than that. Mm -hmm. There is a deal to be had. I don't think, I don't think any any of the Democrats are willing to pay the price, even though they're looking at, you know, if, if the 2024 uh, outlook is the conventional wisdom is right, they're looking at a, at a grim year, few years out of power in Congress, uh, even if they win the White House. So I don't see where they think the, the amnesty is going to come from. It's possible they don't care as much about amnesty because uh, Biden is letting millions of people across the border and they care more about that since the amnesty people aren't going to be deported, uh, you know, if you if you wanted to maximize the immigrant presence in America and maximize the free flow of people, you would say let's not have an amnesty and let's just let everybody in. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the the child tax credit, of course, is being championed by uh, James Bennett's brother, who's didn't, a senator from uh, Colorado. Didn't Jason DePaul say um, in the Times that it's going to be an uphill battle for them to get child tax credit? He did, uh, and and most people think it's an uphill battle uh, in the lame duck, in, less so in the long term. It's incredibly expensive, which they're trying to to cover up by having it only 
uh, enacted for a year. Mm-hmm. It's 1.6 trillion for 10 years. So that's 160 billion dollars a year. Uh, and uh, you know, there, there are various ways to cut it back, but it's wildly expensive and it would uh, you know, rust out that is is for it because it encourages people to have babies, but there's even the people who are for it for that reason admit it won't have much effect. And uh and people like me say it will have an effect in enabling an underclass culture of no work and no fathers. Uh, but the interesting things, the more interesting thing is uh uh the Republican race for House Speaker, McCarthy is making some gains, but then the reports say, well, but then there's no obvious alternative. That's his argument is there's no alternative to me. You don't vote for me. The Democrats are going to, you know, pick off four people from our side and we're going to have a Democratic a speaker the Democrats choose. And uh, there is an alternative. The alternative is Steve Scalise. So I just I, I would if you had money to bet, I would bet on Steve Scalise. Not that I have tremendous affection for Steve Scalise, but I don't think he's as weak as McCarthy is. Uh, uh, the, there's a runoff primary in Georgia. Everybody seems oh, to yeah. be resigned to Warnock winning. Yeah. Uh, but sorry. Yeah, it just seems like uh, Herschel hasn't had a good week. I mean, he he kind of only half campaigned, I gather. And is this a new woman who came out and and on the record publicly, like, here I am, here's my name. I was his girlfriend for five years. He's a completely horrible, unstable person. Is that a new... Is that she's I not one there of, were the, five of them? There's like five of them, <laughs> but she's uh, like out there, you know, you can you uh visible. And I think, uh, and then what else? Oh, the, the fact that he lives in Texas and he's yeah, is a different state. All, all signs, you know, but uh, yeah. uh, all signs pointing to a Republican red wave. So who knows? Who knows what's actually going to happen? It, you know, it depends a lot. <laughs> wait, of depends wait, on, what'd you just say? All signs, All signs pointed to a Republican red wave, and it didn't happen. So you can't trust the polls and the conventional wisdom. The uh, you know one side might be demoralized. The Warnock side may think, "Hey, the stakes aren't as high anymore. We're not fighting for Democratic yeah. control of the Senate." And the Republicans may think the same way. So it's uh, you know a lot of it. Well, I think will come down to the mechanics of mm-hmm. turnout. The early the early the early voting was very pro Democrat, but now they're getting some early voting from. Uh, you know, Walker area. So who the hell knows? Uh, the, um, so the, 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 the interesting thing, uh, an interesting thing is that Kemp is playing a role in favor of Walker and everybody's thinking, well, Kemp's going to run for Senate. Right. He's, my, the, he's the governor. Governor. And he, he won a resounding victory. And my line is he's going to run for president. They all run for president. Why would he not run for president? It's not like he's on Trump's team. He's, Trump hates him, tried to oust him from office. He beat he beat Trump once or twice. Uh, and he's not scared of Trump. Uh, so why would he settle for Senate? They, you know, they uh there, there are many people who have less of a claim to be president than him who have run for president recently. Uh that's for sure. The, it, it, hey, how about a- how about Claire McCaskill? Is that crazy? She's no longer in politics, but she seems she always seems so smart when I see her on TV. She's smart, right? I don't, I don't, she never seemed that smart to me. She's amiable. Yeah, she well, says she's what having do you a want? great, great time when she's out of politics, but uh, I don't know. Does she have a vision of America? I don't, a vision for America? I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I'd never do thought any of that. Them, do any of them have a vision for America? 
I have a vision for America. How about me? Uh, there you go. Hey, uh, the, here's, a, here's a dark horse. Here's a dark horse. It's going to sound crazy at first. Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, you know, I just think his contrition tour is going well, I think. And it turns out he's the last bipartisan because he gave money to both Democrats and Republicans, he says. You read I don't quite my believe mind. him. It, it I don't quite out, believe him, but he can bring us together. Oh, I believe him. It, 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 he's sometimes too, he's not consistently honest, probably, but he's often too honest for his own good, I think. Anyway, well, yeah, he says, he says that the Republican money was dark money. In other words, the kind that uh, Citizens United made possible, which you, you, you're a dark money fan, I think. You were a fan of that ruling. Um, uh, I'm not a fan of the dark money. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, but that's I, what I, it I think I'm backing off my support of that ruling. I think they Good. could have come up with you. a, they could have come up with a narrower, narrower ruling that, uh, that, uh, that allowed corporations, but only of only small corporations. I'm glad you're backing off because. I haven't is, thought it through. This is a good example of how Citizens United not only enables uh, more full, full, a full-fledged version of oligarchy, but, you know, dark oligarchy. You don't know where, you don't even know which oligarchs are running the show. But I don't, it, it, is the darkness inherent in Citizens United? I mean, you could have a rule that said corporations can donate, but they can't be dark. I mean, so we don't, we don't know what Sam Bankman-Fried donated because he said he did it, uh, he did it in dark donations. So, because he had to keep up his liberal image or uh, the press and the media would go crazy if they discovered he, he donated to the Republicans. But he had this Republican guy on his team who donated to the Republicans openly. So I don't know why he needed all this. Uh, Maybe that guy to do was it giving dark money to the Democrats. Could be. There you go. But uh, um, the, had, the, 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 big, the, big, the big thing to me seems to be, was he donating to the Republicans because he's ideologically a Republican or because he wanted to get some regulations through Congress? And to do that, you have to bribe Key Republicans, oh, but not in, not in ideological sense. Well, he seems to have been, and it's 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 I mean, really I, quirky. He, he seems yeah. to have been ideologically pro-democrat. I mean, he, he Matt Iglesias said he's responsible for Trump not being in the White House because he gave so much money to the turnout operation. But he, he if you look at his giving, his charitable giving, it's totally weird. It's the greatest refutation of effective altruism there could be, because he gives money to organizations that promote effective altruism. So he gives money to the effective altruism bureaucrats who advise other rich people how to give their money. If that point of effective altruism is to show results, he's not shown any results. He's employing a lot of Will McC McCaskill's friends and compatriots in bureaucratic organizations. But he, uh, but if he considers they're not, them- They're not traditional left, they're not traditional left causes. No, I think that's true. I think it's true. I mean, uh, yeah, I, we can talk more about this in the parrot room because there's things I wanted to add to our discussion last week about about effective altruism um, and what it is. I, I realized I had uh, defined it last week in an, in an incomplete way. Um, do you think just that SBF's, this one move of his that he's showing on his contrition tour, which I've never seen before, the way he bows his head in shame, did you watch any of the videos? No, I didn't see that. Oh, I you got to see I it. I just he thought he had bad head. posture. I'm just wondering if you think it's real and sincere. It just seems so pronounced as to be theatrical. It's like, it's like he, he virtually gets down on the floor and, and... It's very Japanese, but don't 
when the Japanese do it, don't they accept their punishment and often actually commit seppuku? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm it, not uh, advocating that. I'm not advocating that either. Speaking but, um, of violence, what'd you think of Elon's uh, gun tweet? So, so he, he tweeted this picture of what, you know, wasn't a real gun. He said, this is my nightstand. It's got a, well, is a, is a pistol that yeah, you're wondering if you don't know that it, I guess it's from some video game or something. It's you a gamer pistol. I mean, right. it's a video but, game but pistol. You could look it had at no it. trigger. When you first look at it, it looks like a real gun and there's like four Diet Coke cans or something. Uh, I think, you know, that's not cool in the current climate. I, I if it looked obviously like not a real gun, that's there, one thing. There are other more troubling things. It's where you, you, you see, oh, you know, Dean Baker has been kicked off Twitter. Well, why would you kick Dean Baker off Twitter? He's an econ he's a left-wing economist. I think he had just uh, criticized Elon, hadn't he? Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, so that's much worse than the gun. If well, it's true, on the other hand, uh, you know, Twitter's users are are going up quite rapidly, and he, he is not, doesn't seem to be failing. It's probably freer than it was before. Uh -huh. uh, and And it's just a question of... You know, on the fridges, is he letting in too many Nazis and and kicking out people, you know, for spurious reasons? I, I don't know what the truth is. Uh, you know, I doubt. I mean, a number of people. There was also this. Uh, she's uh, I don't know if she's Chinese or, or, or Chinese American or what, but she had criticized, I think, the Chinese government. She was tweeting about the protest. She was kicked off Twitter for a while and then reinstated. And I doubt Elon had a hand in that, but it demonstrates the situation he's put himself in. He obviously does have a conflict of interest in China. He needs to stay in the good graces he's been of the better government than Apple. because of Tesla. What's that? He's been better about it than Apple. Apple, they, uh, you know, has actually, uh, you know, taken off some features of uh, that helps the protesters uh, communicate. Well, well Apple's and, uh, in and, the and information. Cook refuses to say anything about it. Okay, but let me, let me let me say Apple's in the information business. Tesla isn't. So Elon hasn't been asked to make those kinds of compromises. Right. But now that he owns Twitter, he is exposed to that kind of pressure. And we'll see how he handles it. Now, um, well, we, if, but we know how else, Apple is handling it. Apple is caving. Yeah. You, you, you either cave or leave. Google left, Apple caved. Um, the, but Twitter, uh, is, Twitter is banned in China. So that takes away one point of leverage. It is one point, but they still care about, look, I don't think he kicked this person off personally or had a hand in it, but it, it, it this is going to consistently arise where things yeah. that look as if they result from some kind of conflict or in, of interest or from his intervention, you know, when people criticize him and get, and get yeah. uh, kicked right. off, which has happened. Right. All right. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm a little less scared to criticize him than I was before, but I'm still scared to criticize him. Uh, are he, you really? He, I was before. I didn't want to. I don't want to get zapped. Yeah, I said that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you were the, before uh, when? Two weeks ago. Yeah, that was the point of the Viennese coffee house analogy. That you don't want to insult the proprietor. I, 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 I nice do coffee not, house we have here. I do not be nice delude, to the fat man when he comes around. I do not delude myself into thinking I, I rate being on his radar screen. I've been critical on Twitter. Um, I'm, you're, you're closer than I am. You know, you actually interviewed. David Sachs on your show, and David Sachs obviously has yours, so you're two jumps away from him. I'm three jumps because I know you. Hey, I, I've chatted with Elon, man. I told you. I, I, uh, I interviewed him live um, on stage years ago. 
We're the, like uh, this. So, we are like uh, this. The, the, I have a gun point, though, as long as you brought up oh, guns. Okay, gun. Uh, there's all this complaint from people like me about mail-in voting. Okay, you don't quite know who filled out the form. They might be subject to intimidating intimidation. It's a little, a little like card check. There could be a, you know, a Democratic operative standing above your bed in the nursing home. You want, you don't want to piss them off. Add guns to the mix. Okay, open carry in some states, concealed carry in others. You've got guys running around harvesting ballots, and they have guns. Okay, how intimidating is that? It's a recipe for total fucking disaster. Uh, what and gun harvesters, <laughs> ballot harvesters with guns? Yes, they they they're they're an art. They're a quasi army moving through your neighborhood collecting ballots. You're going to tell them no? They have guns. So you're coming around to my view on gun control. I just think you, you, the easiest way to eliminate this. I'm not for open carry, but the easiest way to eliminate this is to eliminate mail-in voting in, in its. Uh, current form yeah. have, have early voting have early yeah. voting uh, yeah. in person which seems to be working in georgia it's yeah. the absentee voting went down in georgia early mail-in voting went up mm. that's the obvious compromise you know, people with guns can't are much, find it much you know, harder I to intimidate thinking, you you know uh, and that's the solution yeah no it's like you know these supermarket shootings and school shootings at first i thought the answer was gun control then i just realized no just ban supermarkets and schools it's simpler that's it, that's what you should do that's very witty, Bob. But um, it's 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 very we 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 survived for centuries without massive mail-in voting, uh, but we did have supermarkets. Well, we didn't survive for centuries with everyone uh, who has a political axe to grind carrying around a gun, and that's where we're moving. We actually Th did. Thanks to thanks to the Republican Supreme Court, we actually did survive well, for in a, in a couple of centuries in a completely different world two centuries ago or something. Okay, well, but don't say you've modified what you said. Uh, um, so my alarm just went off. You know what that means? That means it's time to go to the pad room under our new regime. Yeah. Well, we each, yeah. Go ahead. We each get one minute to say something we meant to say. I you meant to said, say. I just said what I meant to say. Okay. Well, my thing is, you know, uh, some of the reaction to what I've said about Elon Musk so far illustrates that I failed to make my point clear. My issue with him is different from, I think, almost everyone's. I as for him bringing all these people back on, uh, we'll we'll see how it works out. It's not a big hobby horse of mine. I'd rather Trump not be on Twitter. On the other hand, Jack Dorsey should have done a much better job of articulating why he was off Twitter and just given him some kind of finite penalty, like five years or something. So he kind of was asking for it. Um, and I'm not, uh, it, and, and I don't object to the ideological to the substance of. Uh, Musk's ideological pronouncements on Twitter. I, I object to the fact of ideological pronouncement on Twitter. In other words, him turning it into an ideological pedestal, because I think that is flagrantly at odds with his professed aspiration to make it a better town square. The commissioner of the NFL doesn't get to root for a team in the Super Bowl. And and if you're serious about the Twitter you own being a good town square, being you know a healthy town square, if you think through all the implications of going on, you know, pontificating all the time about your ideology and doing it in a trollish way because he is a troll in that and other respects. He's like a bad Twitter citizen who now owns Twitter and various of his of his ticks constitute kind of bad Twitter uh, citizenship. But I just want to be clear. That's my objection. My, it is not the standard objection to Elon. It, it's that if, if he had my ideology, I'd be saying the same thing. 
shut the fuck up if you really it, it, want it, to make it a good town square. You're not the only person making that, and I think it's gotten to him. I think I get the sense that he's letting up on the politics. Now, part of that is because the election is over. Obviously, he thought when he urged people to vote Republican, he thought he might sway the election, okay? He probably had very little effect on the election. That may have been brought home to him. And, and you know, he has to, uh, as you say, he has to get the left to trust him, which is going to be quite hard. The uh, There was a very good analysis in Vox of his predicament, which is the revenues are declining, maybe not as much as the media thinks, but 15 to 50% of advertising is not chopped liver. Uh, he has to come up with new revenues. But, uh, but you know, the the... the, the 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 actual people on the side are sticking with him so far, and you know I saw I saw Eric Swalwell had a point had a post saying uh, 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 I, I think it was attacking some something that the Republicans had done. They said and he said now Twitter do your thing, and Twitter had done its thing for Eric Swalwell, a Democrat, and it was working for the Democrats. And as long as it keeps working for the Democrats, I don't think they're going to leave. Elon just has to figure out how to extract some money from them. Okay. Yeah. I want to say more about that in the parrot room. What else in the parrot room besides Elon? Um, oh, you're, you're, you're a little spat with Damon Linker on Twitter. Let's talk a little bit about, about that. This is about Peter Thiel and Curtis Yarvin. Uh, and uh, what do we know about Peter Thiel? You seem to, you seem to really dislike him for reasons I'm not sure are very grounded in evidence. I but, consider um, him opaque and, and kind of disturbing in his opaqueness. I, I don't purport to actually okay. have him figured out. Okay. Okay. Um, um, there's um, there's the whole Fuentes thing, which we sort of missed, I think. Oh, yeah, we? we should talk about Yi. Uh, I think I think I I tried to figure out how big the gap was between what smart people on the left are saying, like Josh Marshall and smart people are the writer saying, and I came away with the c- conclusion that the gap is huge. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I started to think the Republican Party is in big trouble because they have no center. Okay. There's, there's a, they have nothing between Ryan and Denian. Okay, don't, a, don't go further. You want to keep them on the edge of the seat. They're, they're reaching okay. for the credit cards, Mickey. Patreon.com slash parrot room, folks. And wait, I have something more. I, I have things to say about sell, uh, bribing women to take your sperm. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, more credit cards, this, I hear this them. Thought, this thought occurred to me. Bribing uh, women. I'm writing this out. To, to do what? What did you say? <laughs> take your sperm. There was a uh, there was some evidence that uh, Twitter has brought more right wingers on into it, but I wasn't okay. very convinced. That, that comes by under that the general category of Elon and Twitter. Um, and uh, there's a point people are making about China that I don't understand. So okay, China. Um, I, I, I'm gonna. I, I got to the end of that Errol Morris documentary on, uh, you know, the, the the guy in the CIA who plunged to his death in 1953 after the CIA slipped him LSD, and 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 there's actually a, a surprise kind of at the end, a kind of a dark surprise. Um, Seymour Hersh shows up, has something to say. Uh, what else? Um, wasn't well, it cream? Wasn't it cream that had a dark surprise? Show me your dark surprise. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
the uh, let's see, right? There was something else. Uh, oh, uh, Christy McVie of Fleetwood Mac died. I'm going to give you the, the uh, Christy McVie uh, trivia quiz in, in the pair room. I, I've got it um, set up because yeah, you know yeah. you, you're you're often bragging about uh, how much you know how much it, you know about rock and roll. The answer is Chicken Shack. That's good. Now, one of the okay. questions is is going to be, what was her given last name? Do you know what the answer to that is? Yes, perfect. Shit. Because I was going to say, Mickey, I'll give you a hint. It's just perfect. And you were going to go, oh, sorry, songwriter. Uh, anyway, I look forward to this. Oh man. Well, I've got others. I've got others. Um, and so maybe well maybe mayor adams is just planning to get homeless we'll see we'll see what we have time for okay patreon.com uh, slash okay i think i think one candidate had a very good plan for the homeless i'll reveal her name <laughs> okay all right so much incentive so much incentive okay carrie link okay that was a pretty half-assed parrot utterance but but the parrot will be more full-throated in the parrot see you there